0: Welcome to Trail & Error, a look at the trail running world from the podium to the pack with your hosts Jay Grady and Tristan Stevenson. We decided to start our own trail running podcast to talk to the people we find interesting in the trail and ultra running world, to find out their highs and lows, their momentous successes and their abject failures, and to perhaps give us all a little bit of inspiration to take on some adventures and challenges of our own. We'll be speaking to runners and athletes, race directors and coaches, sports nutritionists and doctors to get the best out of our own running and hopefully yours too. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you do, please hit like and subscribe via all the normal podcast feeds. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of
1: (laughs) Dragon's Back. Wow, what a start. Dragonsback.com um sorry shane we're stealing i mean it. it has kind of become
0: that over the last uh, few weeks yeah that was a it? freudian slip right yeah yeah yeah.
1: welcome to another episode of trail and error <laughs> uh, this week tris and i are joined by professor well how do, how do you describe yourself ben gurad ben gurad you are a geek and author a runner a broadcaster a professor of evolutionary biology and science engagement does
2: that cover it all Pretty much, that's it, yeah, yeah. You've okay. said a nerd, so that's that's the, the main two. <laughs> I actually um, saw
0: I actually saw Ben um, slightly off topic that you you, were, you grew up in Great Yarmouth and went to the Royal Veterinary College, which is exactly what my mum did as well. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She never it's became a vet. Natural yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> it is, yeah. She never became a vet, but she married a vet. And uh, yeah, that's all that was quite <clears throat> interesting. A
1: collision of worlds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's just an unnatural um, number of vets that come, or, or people that go to veterinary college that come from Great Yarmouth. I don't know.
2: I don't know what that says about the RVC or Great Yarmouth, but uh, there's <laughs> definitely a link there somewhere then. <laughs> but there's a lot of running vets, though, in my mind, a lot of good running vets. That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. There are. There seems to be a lot of running academics, and they're, they're weirdly, oh, this is how nerdy I go really early on. There are papers to look at the incidence of. Uh, academics in long distance running and it seems to be statistically significant actually weirdly Um, but we don't know why we don't know why it's or whether it's because our work is quite strenuous or we work on our own or we're we're used to working to quite high deadlines and and not always the happiest of environments in academia I have to say for some of us Um, so maybe there's a thing that pushes us to to go that little bit further and and run ourselves into the ground quite literally or,
0: or maybe the, wow. oh, yeah. the causation
1: is the, the breakdown of uh... as,
0: as i said maybe the causation is the way around so just running much smarter
2: possibly yeah i mean i think i mean we'll probably go on to this but i definitely i think i think about running more than a lot of people do so in terms of the technical i think about the biomechanics i think about the yeah. what it's actually physiologically doing to my body and uh, the whole whole added levels of stress there for me i think sometimes <laughs> I'd like to put my hand up and say it has not made me smarter.
0: <laughs> just well, I do, all my, I do most of my reading while uh, running. I do I, all the audio books and stuff, so I just get through so many books whilst running. So mm-hmm. it is actually making me smarter. If not from the kind of physiological exercise, breathing, mindfulness side of it, then just because I'm consuming um, literature, you know, knowledge. Right. right.
1: It's, it's got to be, I mean, it's an expensive way of learning things, but we get there. <laughs> um, so, um, well, kind of the, the reason you, you you came across our radar, Ben, is that you are a, a fellow participant in the 2023 Montane Dragon's Back.
2: Absolutely. Um, and very noticeably, you're recording this before I do the event. So um, we'll, we'll what's the <laughs> space.
0: <laughs> that's all I'll say
2: and I'll jump in there now no I have never done anything like this before no I have no idea why I'm doing it no I have absolutely no idea how many days through I'll get so um, we'll we'll see I guess
1: well that's the first three questions gone
0: <laughs> in fact I don't know how um, it's now have uh, <laughs> well,
1: it's been lovely having you on uh, you, uh, we can't wait to see you in Wales <laughs>
0: Uh, but then, you're right there is something no, in um, uh, well, talking about it in advance because it means that we can kind of discuss well day five you know that, that will be tricky whereas after the fact it's like well yeah unfortunately I never got to that point so we really can't have a conversation about it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's the spirit well done guys thanks <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: no well, well it's new for us really as well um, we are complete newbies to the multi-day uh, mountain environment so lots to learn but lots to figure out which is the kind of the attraction isn't it in a way
2: yeah i think so it's a it's a it sounds almost like an obvious thing to say i think for people who don't run it just sounds completely bonkers but in a weird way it's this sort of linear step we, we can all we can all do running by default and we can all do quite long distances and quite technical terrain but this, this idea that you're combining navigation with multi-day with, with all these fueling for, for all these different things it's a challenge I mean it, it sounds like a massive understatement but it's yeah one hell of a challenge but it'll be that'll be a big part of it I guess
1: yes yeah, the logistics yeah. and
2: everything isn't it pulling it all into one yeah yeah and the nice thing for me I've not really I mean people saying what's the training plan Is it the same as everybody else's? One of the lovely things I've seen online is everyone who's doing it this year, and I've seen it from previous years, there are so many different ways and different techniques and different regimes to try and train for this. It's not like a marathon. It's not like a 10K where there are tried and tested good ways, bad ways, standard ways of doing this. It almost seems that everyone's bringing their own expertise into this, their own sort of quite nice little stamp on it. So there are people who are doing loads of strength training and some who aren't doing very much at all and doing loads of long distance running and those who are doing loads of hill starts and loads of sort of, yeah, the endurance stuff. And I'm really interested to see, is there a, an optimal way of doing this or will we all get through this, those of us who get through it, with our different areas of expertise getting us through? I, I just don't know the answer. And that's a really big draw for me.
1: I wonder if it's, to do this, you obviously, we... we yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, but we had to sign disclaimers as long as your arm um, to say that we were comfortable in mountains and everything else. And I wonder, it, it attracts people who are not necessarily overtly uh, bullish and self-confident in terms of talking to peers and stuff, but, but people are attracted to this event that have got a certain level of understanding of where they sit and in, in, in how they need to change. So they're less... Uh, less likely to take this kind of cookie cutter approach that's online to do your sub three or sub four marathon and stuff so we all kind of know roughly what we're doing or or where our weaknesses lay and 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 we all approach
2: it from our own individual perspectives maybe i think so and i like that again it's uh, you've got to be careful that it's not we don't seem like we're promoting being really cocky and really over the top confident when when that's a danger but i think you're right. I think on a certain level, it's drawing in the confidence, the expertise, maybe the cockiness that we have in different areas. So I know that I'm very scientific in my approach. And I have just utilized all my understanding of biomechanics and how different animals run and rec- recovery times. And I've teamed up with Swansea Science Department, uh, Sports Science Department to look at my VO2 max, my biomechanics. So I'm really throwing the science in there. And I know that not everyone will do that or can do that or should do that, but I think you're right. I think it allows us to have that wiggle room to really put your area of expertise or your skills above these ones or his skills above those or hers above. I think that's going to really come into this because ultimately, we're not trying to get a sub three. We're not trying to win a record. Most of us, I guess, we're just trying to get there. We're just trying to get from A to B over six days, which is is a whole new challenge. Mm.
1: I'm intrigued yeah. to know
2: which animal type best suits crossing cribgok. A <laughs> I would mm, imagine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure yet. S- yeah.
1: Snake, very low, and just go between the rocks. An adder. Everyone, channel your inner adder. We'll be fine.
2: <laughs> pretty much. Pretty
1: much. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, yeah, Crib Gok. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've just done Crib Gok. I saw on, on Instagram.
2: Uh, i have yes i've i'm not a fan of i again it's gonna sound ridiculous i'm not a fan of heights at all and that's been the one that's psychologically been in my head for about a year um and i'd signed up for this knowing it was obviously very mountainous and i hadn't quite got my head around this the concept that it was going to involve something like that so it's a it's been my white whale for a while so i finally plucked up the courage and i I couldn't quite decide again this is the, the the really nice challenge about this race. And I couldn't decide whether to not do it beforehand and just do it on the day and then I've got no choice. I don't know what I'm expecting. Because every time you watch anything on Instagram it's all filmed with these bug these yeah. huge fisheye lenses and it yeah. looks it's even like worse than it is. Yeah. And all the promos only ever filming the mountain goat runners who can able able to prance across the top and and still look amazing and barely barely sort of break a sweat. I was like a sloth on sleeping <laughs> across that i was just like, and it was yeah it was it was mad but i i i don't think you're meant to do crib and come away and go yeah that was, that was easy it's not meant to be easy that's the whole point of it being there so it's i think the nice thing again is is we're all very honest who have done this race or doing this race or training for this race coming out and going yeah that was that was quite tough actually not over dramatizing i'm not going to say it's the worst thing i've ever done and i've I my life flashed before me. But um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was it was tough. Um I'm glad I did it. Um I've got it in me to do it at least one more time, I hope. So that's that's <laughs> we'll see.
1: Well the conditions didn't look great either. It was windy and claggy and a little bit blowy, yeah. So um It really was. Yeah. As Just we were leaving
2: being, Yeah, when I mean, fingers crossed, I mean that's I mean, oh, again. Trying to see the positive here, and I think we've got to be really optimistic doing a six day run like this. The, my optimistic side is, well, at least I've done it in really quite crappy conditions. It was really blustery. There were thundering and lightning warnings um, down at the, the, the little sort of tourist information um, shed down the base of the hill. Um, there was also a couple just in front of me who got, I'd say, a third of the way across and had a big domestic. And then. Oh, wow. No. Go any further, and then inch their way back. One, one quite <laughs> angry, one quite sad. And psychologically, that really got me. It's like, oh God, they were, they were young. And they they were young and agile, and looked like they were absolutely going to spring across there, and I was going to follow in their footsteps like some <laughs> dawdling old guy behind them. But actually, um, yeah, that was yeah. So I'm glad that's all happened on on that that uh, on that trip. And actually, I did get. This is going to sound really melodramatic. I did go with a friend who's uncle, very sadly, fell off Krimgock 25 years ago and didn't oh, make wow. it. Um, he'd never done it before. And he said that, I really have wanted to do this. The fact that you're going here. Um, he's, he's Originally, his family are from Northern Wales, North Wales. And he said, it's really important. I do this and want to do this. And we did it together, actually. And I thought beforehand, it'd be a really not nice thing to do, but a really quite poignant thing to do and take my mind off it a little bit. <laughs> All it did was... Was it here or was it here? Which side do I reckon he went yeah, It was really ah, bad. It's, it's worth remembering that it is a serious part of the climb, a yeah. serious part of the race. It's, it's not to be taken lightly. And I think what I've learned from that is my expectations, I don't need to run across it. I don't need to look amazing for the Montane photos. There'll be plenty of people who look amazing crossing Cribgog. I just want to get across. I think that's the only thing I need to do. I think about my
1: poor mother in this because I, I lost my uncle to a a, a, a very very large fall uh, w- when I was a child, and I went the opposite way, and I unintentionally tortured my poor mother. I, I went, I joined the military, then, and I and I climbed everything as a child uh, illegally quite often, and then I joined the military and I worked on aircraft carriers, which is quite a long fall from an aircraft carrier flight deck onto the into the sea, or or, or the dry dock even worse. Uh, and then I joined the, the Royal Navy display team and I was uh, one of the button boys climbing to the top of the ceremonial masts. So, you know, another hundred odd foot up climbing down a rope with no safety harnesses back then at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, mum. Uh, I'm doing it again. <laughs> fingers crossed, eh? <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed.
2: We'll be fine. We'll be all on. right. Yeah. Hey, so um, was it, was it quite oh, ridiculous? wow. So uh, yeah, right,
1: right. a bit of an emotional crossing.
0: What was that, Chris? I was going to say, was it quite windy when you were up there? They said the weather was bad. How bad was it when you went up there?
2: Um, it was really, it was really blustery. So I did have to come off the side, um, and obviously we did up the, the, the way facing um, Snowden Peak. Um, I had to jump off onto the left side. So I had to jump off, um, scoot off to the left side slightly because um, it really was buffeting me into the into the, the side. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I did i enjoy it doing it no not really um, afterwards immensely enjoyed it looking back and it was holy crap that was amazing it was really impressive but it was it was windy it was really really windy um, mm-hmm. and there's an element of me thinking what do we do on the day if it is absolutely blowing a hoolie what do we do if there's if it, if it's absolute it was then starting to rain as well just as we got off so i just thought i don't think i could have done it if it was that windy and raining like it is today but we're going to have to. We're going to have to on the day. I don't know the answer to well, it, these things. It's-
1: Shane's, Shane's decision, isn't it? On the end of the day, it's yeah. uh, if he says go, and it's it's and uh, I guess though, ultimately, you have to decide for yourself on these things. Uh, is it? Is it what you want? You know, I, and yeah. I, and I think a lot of people will just um, instinctively just just cross because it's 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 forward motion. Um. But I do wonder if 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 it's super super sketchy, whether some people will go. Do you know what my inbuilt um, safety mechanisms say? This is a very bad idea today, and I want to go home. As in, I I would like to go home, not in a bag.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, this is this is this race is testing different things. I'm sure all three of us have run for different reasons, to different goals, trying to achieve different things. This is a test of of mental endurance as much as it is physical. I think probably more than physical endurance. You can keep feeding yourself fuel and you can, the electrolytes and the salt tablets and all this stuff, you can keep doing that. That's almost an endless supply. You can't do it up here. If you do it as a marathon, you've got to run, what, three, four hours, whatever. That's it. This is six days of, as you just said, uh, Jay, putting one foot in front of the other over hugely difficult terrains, over constant slogs on your own, in quite remote areas. And, and then it's, I think it's, it's going to be a real test of, of mental ability. And I think for me, that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to. Um, but yeah, I think some people will get to that point and, and it'll, it'll
0: sort, it'll sort, sort some of us out into the, different categories. The peer pressure perhaps. thing is mm-hmm. an interesting one in this, isn't it? Cause if you've got a chain of people in front of you who are managing to get. Through a section could be, could be any other part of this race, that's mm-hmm. particularly difficult you are then sort of more compelled to follow suit because they are you know they're 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 showing that it's safe to them but then they might just be feeling the pressure from the person in front of them and and so on um that i guess that's a possibility of falling into that trap of like well it must be safe because they're doing it but everyone except perhaps the person in the lead had exactly the same thought you know
2: Absolutely. And that's a weird one to sort of separate as well, I think. this whole I mean, I, I don't know about YouTube, but I love running on my own. And I've read before that a lot of people find it quite difficult doing Dragon's Back, the, the the sense of loneliness. I love being on my own when I run. That's part of my thing is, is for me. It's very therapeutic, good for my mental health. But actually, I remember the first time I did a park run, I thought I'll do a park run just to see what all the fuss is about. It's the fastest I ever run 5K. <laughs> and every time I do a park run, I just run much faster. Not because I feel feel pressure, but actually being around others has, has an impact on us. We are a social species as well. And this is where my science comes into this. We do affiliate and we are, we are social in our in our interactions. So I think there's separating that sense of what's good for us. And actually, if I can see you two do it and I can relate to you two, and you don't seem especially, well, I don't know, already Jay's story about climbing up the top of these towers and these poles. I'm He's slightly sketchy in my mind, but actually identifying <laughs> I think identifying with others. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. complete base. Um, I think separating that from peer pressure, I think is going to be really important as well. And I'd like to think those of us doing this run aren't going to be subject to peer pressure in the same way that others might be in in a sense. You've got to do this on your own and you've got to make your right decision. I think if you guys are are behind me and chiving me along, telling me to hurry up on Crib Gok, you're going to get a very quick response Mm. in terms of, Jog on, boys. You're going to have to wait. I think there's an. I hope I think there'll be a very much a sense of that in in this race.
1: I think there'll be a collegiate element to it. If I'm honest, from previous experiences, it's it's very much away from the front of the pack. It tends to be, you know, we're all against the course. We're all fighting our own battles. Yeah. Um, it's kind of yeah. I've I, I found everyone will will help everyone else out when they go across. And it, it, you know, after after bigging myself up there for not being terrified of heights, let's hope I don't get crag freeze, eh?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That like I think, <laughs> we <laughs> won't remind you, but don't worry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, I think this, I'm expecting the same sort of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm quite tough in my uh, resili- mental resilience, but I'm not great at heights in, in the same way that you might be great at something. And, and I think, as you say, that collegiate response, that collegiate attitude, we're all going to have different areas of expertise and different strengths and weaknesses, and I'm hoping that comes across... Across the week, and I assume from everything I've seen before. And I went to the end, um, the end of the race last year in Cardiff, and saw people coming across the line. And as well as seeing their families and that massive first hug, they instantly turned around to the next person coming across the line and were talking and chatting and having that real sense of "Oh my god, we did this!" And instantly they were recounting stories. And I, I think that sh- should be a really strong part of this as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, they definitely exist um, in a
2: bubble for the week.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Um, That's one of the things that intrigues and interests me most about the event is that it's multi-day. There's the camp life element to it, and sort of it's like you're going into battle every day um, as a collective. And I guess it's sort of probably one of the closest things to war that um, you might be able to put yourself through. um, Obviously, with far less danger involved. Um, just in spite of <laughs> Um and that that intrigues me uh, <laughs> greatly so yeah I'm, I'm I'm interested in sort of seeing that side of it because you know we've done I've done ultras before, um and you that finish line feeling is nice then you know on a single day event, but um you know stacking day after day on top of each other, and then hopefully for all of us a finish at the end in Cardiff, that'd be interesting to see what that feels like. yeah, yeah.
1: I have that, um, if I, should I not finish a day before a cut off? And that is 100% not my expectation as I'll kind of stay at here. But, um, as a, as a visualization tool right now, I am imagining myself stood on the finish line, having done it as a hatchling, watching, hopefully people like yourselves, you two cross the line and thinking, bugger. That stings. <laughs> I, I'm using that as a motivation tool to go, I really, really didn't want to have to come back and do this whole thing again. So that's my motivation to give everything on every day. It's like I'm, I don't want to be stuck on that finish line watching other people succeed at something I've failed on because it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt and it's going to hurt a lot to do that, much more than any temporary pain from physical
2: that's my motivation that's where i am at the moment i get that i mean and again this is going back to what i said with this whole sense of there's no standard way of doing this i've gone completely the opposite my only sense of achievement is if i take one step over that start line anything else after that is an absolute bonus if i make it to (laughs) if i make it to happy days if i make it six days in who knew but i'm not putting any for me, I know how I work, and if I put any excess expectations in this sense of if you don't make it to day six, it's going to be a fail, I'm going to put too much in too early on. For me, this is this is a real. They say a marathon, not a sprint. It's well above above a marathon, so it's, it's it's very much that long slog. And I yeah, I just need to anything that I do, anything any any distance that I get past that that first step, I'll be happy with. Um, clearly, I want to make it to day six. I won't feel like I fail at any point if, if and when things go wrong. And like you, uh, Jay, I don't, I don't expect to make it to day six and get out of that line. I, I want to, and I'm training for it, and I'm in the best shape I'm ever going to be in to do this race. But it's, it's that's not a, it's not this sort of negative, nihilistic sense of oh well, I'm, I'm training for something I know I'm going to fail in. It's being realistic. There's, there's every chance that none of us, of most of us, obviously haven't done anything like this before. We'll see. But uh yeah, I think any of us who start that race have already achieved. And that sounds really cliche and really over the top and stupidly optimistic, but yeah, there, there are no failures running this race, I think.
0: How uh, are you planning on kind of sciencing the shit out of this for want of a better term? What is that what exactly have you been doing? Uh good. What, good. You know that man.
1: Damon quote, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the Martian. Um, well, uh, I'm envisaging like Dolph Lundgren. to another film, um, film reference. Dolph Lundgren in Rocky Four, was it? Yeah, Rocky Four. I'm thinking like you know, oh, yeah. Soviet um, bunker treadmills, uh, heart rate monitors, VO two max kind of stuff. A team of lab technicians all around you, uh, you know, monitoring all the all the vitals <laughs> and everything. Am I right with that? Is that pretty much it? Yeah.
2: You have pretty much described exactly what I'm doing right now, um, but without the bunker. So ah. instead of the bunker, I've been using um, Swansea Sports Science Department. I'm teamed up with doctors uh, Laura Mason and uh, Nick Owen, who are amazing over there. And we've been doing things like VO2max. We've been doing strength testing, response times, um, power tests, um, and how they're changing over the last 12 months. So I started this a long time ago to really see what my baseline was to see if the training that I'm doing is, is improving. Um, and I've known those guys for years. They're good friends, but also I wanted to train and see what I'm doing. I've done uh, echocardiograms to look if I've got heart defects to see how that will change. Because also we're using this as a pilot study to most people who do these long multi-day runs don't want any scientists poking around with them. but being a scientist myself, I realize this is really invaluable data. Um, And hopefully we can do more of this down the line. Um, But they're actually gonna come and meet me every night. And whether I'm awake or asleep, I've given them permission to take bloods and do sampling and and see what's happening over those six days. Because the body will go through massive changes. And we're all gonna expect, we're gonna have temporary heart damage. We're gonna have massive muscle fatigue in terms of really quite dangerous muscle fatigue uh, for some of us. Um, And like I said, this plaque buildup around our our hearts uh, will develop as well. but I've been doing loads of strength training. So I think that's traditionally something that we haven't really focused on in running too much. We're really good at running. That sounds really obvious, but we haven't. You guys, I know you've talked about things like this before, but the importance of cross training, of strength training. So I spend four nights a week up on the downs in Bristol with an outdoor training team, throwing kettlebells around and using, uh, using bands to do uh, strength training and, and flexibility training. I've been doing all that and then testing my my improvements over time. So actually I don't, the last couple of months haven't been doing as many long runs. I've been doing lots more strength training to reduce my injury. So I used Mm. to get all the calf strains. I used to get the slightly dodgy knees. My hips would ache after a long run. And then I finally just thought I kept doing my reading and and just kept thinking we're not not being flexible enough. We're not, as, as a community, we're not being flexible enough. We're not strong enough. And now you look at Instagram and everyone's doing, this is how you do the strength training. So I've really been pushing that side of things. Um, I also spend a load of time in Africa the last, well, the last several years um, working with different species, and I specifically work with primates, um, so gorillas, chimps, uh, monkeys, and things like this, and I've been looking at the long-distance running species and the strength that they have and, and how they're able to utilise that, how they're able to push themselves, and it's trying to, because i sound really Dr. Do, little mental now, um, tap into that side of things because we're biomechanically – Quite useless in so many ways. We're quite stocky. It's A to B to A to B to A. But you look at these things like kangaroos and cheetahs, and uh, from closer to our family, patas monkeys, and they just spring backwards and forwards again and again and again. That's what we call ricochetal movement, um, and it's using things like the fascia, which again we haven't really been looking at massively in the past. When we talk about that as a running community, it's almost this. Uh, it's almost this sort of mysterious thing that is only just being discovered right now. We've known about this as, as biologists for years, um, really, and, and how it works and this whole sense of stretching yourself and acting like a bow and, and recoil and, and, and energy conservation. So I've really been constantly trying to think about that, trying and it sounds obvious, but how often do we run thinking where your feet are? And we talk about sort of landing on our heel or heel strikes and whatever, but actually really think about your posture, really think about where your eyes are looking, really think about ironically relaxing as much as possible and running like any of these long distance running animals um, so i work at university and teach my students all the different adaptations that we have as humans that make us special and i push them through it and say right is it what is it is it the development of the thumbs is it the big brain is it the ability ability to have complex language It's the foot the foot is the one thing that set us on our path and um, with these wonderful arches with the big toe in line with the rest of the body And it's something so simple as the movement of a big toe that completely changed the course of our evolutionary history. And I just think as a runner, you can just think about those changes, think about the the what actually happens and try to align your body rather than just it's very easy to slip into bad routines. And we're kind of like this Jenga set with a bowling ball on top. So we've got this really weird spine that's completely out of sync with this massive head on top. And the moment we start screwing things up, we just accentuate any of this bad bad posture, bad biomechanics, or sort of bad mobility. So it's constantly trying to, to work on that. And I've been doing things like just watching endless videos of runners um, to see what their form is like. Everyone from Kipchoge um, back to some of the earlier sort of footage uh, of, of, of runners to see what they're doing, how they're doing it, and to see whether I can try and run in different styles as well. We don't learn to run. like All the other sports, you know, I've got mates who are Olympic rowers and they learn to row, and people who do all these amazing different sports, and they just learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. And one of the nice things, but also crap things about running, is no one teaches us how to run. We've been running since we were babies or toddlers, I and mean, you might be running really poorly for the next 40-odd years. So it's, I think some of us can really do, with them, me included totally, is learning how to run again um, in an optimal way. So, yeah, I've been sciencing the shit, as you say, Tristan, <laughs> my running the last year now, so... If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We'll see.
1: <laughs> it's um, it's interesting. We had um, Shane Benzi a couple of episodes ago. Uh, the guy that wrote um, uh, "Lost Art of Running," and we we he came down to Cornwall to run a a running a movement coaching session with us. And uh, a pal of mine, uh, Rich Hurdle, brought his two uh, Rich and Haley Hurdle brought their two kids along. Uh, I think seven, I'm terrible with kids ages. They could be 19 and 23. I'm going to say six and nine. Um, They weren't shaving. uh, So I'm guessing young. And uh, they came along and we videoed, we watched videos of Kenyans running in the the conference area. And then we went out and, and we did a first attempt to emulate what we saw. And when we came back and looked at the video footage, the two that were most Kenyan in their running were the two children who had been playing with their toys while we were all talking about how we should run they were the most natural so i kind of i i take your we don't get taught to run and take it one further i think we get taught to run badly and then we we, we need to relearn to, to run more naturally we, we have so many influences that change our biomechanics through being sat in the back of the car with a coloring book or an ipad being told to sit still and stop fidgeting to to going to school and being told to concentrate and face the direction of a board I think we're teaching our bodies not to move for our entire lives, and then when we come to to running as a you know as an amateur or or a a semi pro, we bring all that baggage along with us, and we have
2: to learn how to not run with that. Absolutely, I think a big and and, and something we can all do is stop caring about what you look like when you run. I mean, I used to.
0: We're we're all the same generation.
1: Do do, do I look like I care about my appearance? This is like constantly being given ten p and five p outside coffee shops.
2: (laughs) Well, it's all it's all part of the economy. It's an economic downturn, so take. I appreciate it. It it pays the bills, but (laughs) (laughs) but I think a lot of us do worry about these things, especially again as adults. I think kids don't care, whereas. I think we're all that generation. We watched Friends the first time it came around, or at least we were around at that time. And I remember there was one stupid episode. And I see this a lot with the running community online of what was her name, the blonde one, Phoebe, running with her hands like this, and she wanted to run the way she ran. I'm not saying we all run like that, but I think we should stop worrying about if you don't look great or you don't look perfect or you're not quite, just run how you would run. And we all run slightly differently. Even the three of us, we're roughly the middle-aged, roughly the same age, sorry, roughly the same age, um, same sort of stature, same sort of ability. We will run differently. We're not. I'm not trying to run like you, Jay, and Tristan shouldn't try and run like me. And there's no conformity there. It's using what you've got and not being afraid of maybe looking a bit of a tit if it makes you run slightly better. I just, just crack on and go for it. I'm not going to look great He's, at the end of day one, that's for sure.
0: It's interesting. Um, it's not very often we get any yeah. evolutionary biologists on, so I've got to quiz a little bit more on some of this like anthropology stuff. Um, is, is it true that we are the greatest endurance runners on the planet, i.e. we can outrun any animal if the distance is, is long enough?
2: uh yeah arguably um i'm trying to think if there's anything better than us for a long distance and there probably isn't actually um so we're not the fastest long distance runners but we are the furthest longest yeah. we might come down to a walk we might come down to a trot but we will keep going and that's partly that combination of having that so even really simply if you've got your hands nicely splayed that's basically what the feet of gorillas and chimps look like these massive big toes coming out to the side but if you've got your hand like that you've got this massive flat pad and that's exactly what their feet look like. But the moment you bring that uh, big toe in to the, into your next, your, your second toe, and you bring your toes together, right. suddenly you've got this lovely cup. It was as simple as that. It was the evolutionary movement of that one big toe making <laughs> that, sit, that first arch. And then everything from there just happened. And we can see skeletons or fossilized skeletons from early representatives on the lineage that became human eventually, things like Ceylanthropus, um, which wasn't a chimp, wasn't a human, but it was one of these, I'm not going to say missing links, we hate that term, but something like that from about 7 million years ago in Chad. And straight away, they one of the first things that separated us from our common ancestor with chimps was we instantly went upright. And that was before the hands changed. That was before the brain got bigger and the skull got bigger. It was before we sort of lost that sort of snoutiness that we see in our, our animal relatives. Um, so that sense of going upright was really important. But then we also have this, I think that was a massive thing. We have massive kneecaps, proportionally, much, much bigger than anything our size. And you look at a cheetah, you look at a chimp, you look at anything roughly comparable. Kneecaps are tiny, and yet we're taking massive strain, huge amount of uh, force going through our legs, through our knees. Well, they don't, um, do, uh, they don't um, do carpet uh, fixing and
0: gardening, do they? So that's why we need the big kneecap. I was just <laughs> no, thinking that. Car- as
2: a massive part of it but even the splayed angle of our hips helps that Jenga sense where everything's slightly balancing but the other thing we've got is we're sweaty and most people don't ever appreciate and celebrate being sweaty we're the only species that has a full a full sweat system to the extent that we do which means we can complete so we not only can we keep bouncing along and running with those sort of spongy feet with the, the arches the big knees the hips and the slightly curved back that helps with all that springiness but we can keep going and not overheat so the reason you won't uh a horse won't beat you over a 20 30 40 mile distance is because the horse will eventually just overheat mm. the horse can keep running there's and nothing there, um, wrong mechanically the, with its body
0: isn't there another advantage of being bipeds that we can breathe independently of our cadence whereas quadrupeds the chest cavity has to work in sync with the cadence of the creature, and therefore the breath rate is much higher. I don't know if that's true of all quadrupeds, but a lot of them, maybe.
2: A lot of them, yeah. Um, and you're right, so a lot of them, it's almost this bellows thing, so yeah. a, a cheetah will really get its full respiration when you, really, when you actually watch a cheetah on a run, its body completely springs out, and it gives it something, something absolutely ridiculous, like a seven or, or nine-metre stride. It's absolutely bonkers, right. but it's doing that massive sort of bow... Uh, but it, lungs, it, it long also pushes the stride on <laughs> um, every, every single stride, but only for a few strides. That's the thing; it can yeah. absolutely power up, but just for a bit. But you can, yeah. right; it needs that sort of that mo- motion of the bellows of the body there, pushing those lungs. Whereas ours are completely open. We've got a really barrel-shaped chest. So again, even things like the anthals had a really angular, almost like a little cartoon volcano-shaped chest, and it meant they couldn't swing their arms if they were running. Because we've got this lovely barrel-shaped chest, our arms don't catch on the sort of lower edge of our ribcage, which again means we've completely evolved for that, that swing. And like I was saying to you, Jay, a second ago, this sense of don't worry if you look like a tit. So many people run quite statically. But actually, as, as you were just saying, Tristan, by doing that and with the whole motion of the arms, it doesn't just help you biomechanically. It will help push your respiration as well. Mm. So it's all being in touch with that. But it's, yeah, all these fine micro-tweaks has allowed us to be this, this running this running upright ape. And the big brains really laid, um as a result of suddenly it freed up the hands to, to, to make tools, to, to share things, to pass things around. Suddenly we're upright and we can see over grassy plains to see if there's a predator coming. Um, we can do all these things suddenly. And the, the big brain came much, much later on. But yeah, we, we've evolved to run. And we are probably, I think, the best long-distance endurance runners on the planet.
0: Um, so
1: if we were to take all of the species on the planet and, and enter the best ones into the modern Olympic games, we would probably only win the, the 5,000 meters upwards. Everything else would probably be won by an animal. Maybe
0: not 5,000 meters. Well, maybe right? not yeah. not horse. would horse. get you 5,000 meters for sure. Okay.
1: Yeah. Horses, so 10,000 meters. 10,000 meters was yeah. Polvoid discus.
0: Well, anything that involves hat, is, yeah, it, like, I mean, I'm seeing a whole new level of to, to toss the discus, though, because I mean, there's a lot of it's in technique, right? You know, I bet a shopper and a, a, if a, yep. an ape or a bear wanted to hit you with it, and you'd probably be a, a bit gorilla.
2: But,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so actually, we're the only animal that can throw overarm. So even oh? chimps, chimps throw underarm, so they would be absolutely crap at javelin, javelin
1: and a discus. Whereas yeah. um, uh, there's US baseball ball. players that throw underarm as well aren't there and stuff it's kind of you know you can adapt to it i, I see a, a massive uh future in sports agency for animals
2: I well, this sign up. Running, sorry, then we can always jump into a different sounds
0: a bit like a future pixar movie this uh <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay stop recording right now we need to get some ip agreements going here and Get this offline right now. We, 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 we're calling you uh, Pixar and Disney. We're coming your way with a great script. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, what have we done? Um, this is going to make a million, guys. <laughs> One billion pounds. Um, so um, how did you hear about the Dragon's Back? Where, where, what, were, what were you running prior to Dragon's Back? This is not like a, an interview process, by the way. We're not agents <coughs> of shame.
2: I'm um, <laughs> so I'm a really late runner. Actually, I used to run as a kid. So again, growing up in in Great Yarmouth in the in the East Coast, I I used to run on the beach nearly every morning, and I just thought it was quite normal to run on sand. It was it was what I had on my doorstep. And then I remember I wasn't really I didn't really enjoy sports. I didn't, wasn't really competitive as a kid. I remember first doing cross country. And I was like Forrest Gump because suddenly we weren't being made to run on on sand and it was it was suddenly much easier. And I really, really enjoyed that for a few years. And I, I did it competitively for a little bit, but I didn't really like doing it um again. It wasn't about beating anyone else. But then I stopped and went to uni and and drank too much and and that classic story and suddenly not as fit as I was beforehand. <laughs> Um, and then moved to Africa and did all my work in Africa and just didn't run as much out there. Um, and then I developed really early onset arthritis in my spine, in my neck, um, and then stopped running and stopped doing a lot of sports for years. But then back in 2020, the surgeon went in and fused a load of my vertebrae in my neck. Um, I got a load of metal in there now, cut a load of the bone away. Um, and completely as I woke up, no pain, no pain whatsoever. And I felt rather than my 40s, I felt like I was in my 20s again. i had been on tramadol and morphine for, for years, actually. And it was really sort of life. It wasn't life limiting. It was quali- quality of life limiting. It was pretty crappy. And suddenly, just as the world was locked down, I had this sort of, sort of uh, Phoenix moment. It's like, right, what am I going to do? What, what can I do? So I did the catch to 5K again. I thought I really missed my running, got back into it, really enjoyed it, didn't ache at all, kept going. thought that was not as bad as I thought it was. Did my first 10K in 20-odd years, and I thought I really, really missed this, really enjoyed this. And because I'm slightly older than I was before, I thought I've got to look after myself, so I made sure I had all the right nutrition and all the right um, sort of warm-up and, and recovery stuff. I, thought, I really get, like I said earlier, really apply the science to this. How far can I go? And I did my, did my first half marathon for a long time again, finally did my first marathon um, distance in my 40s um, and just kept going and didn't get any aches and pains. I've never had a blister from running. I've not lost any toenails, or badge of honor, rubbish, anything like that. And just kept thinking, I'm really, I'm not a lucky runner. I've just really thought about my running. I thought, well, what's the furthest I could do? And I thought I'd sign up for a couple of extra things and kept going and kept going. And I realized that in my training, I'd run from Bristol to Bath and back a couple of times. And I'm suddenly doing... 40 odd miles quite easily coming back on i wonder if i could do a half marathon it's like yeah you can I'm you um and i was running quite a lot of quite big distances each week and i suddenly again saw this on um instagram again during lockdown these heroic people i almost looked up to as 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 sort of superhuman who were running this this terrible race from north to south wales i thought my god i can't even begin to imagine what that would be like how would you ever train for that I just thought, well, I've, I've really pushed my journey. And I say my journey. God, it sounds so cliche did doesn't it? Um, really pushed that sort of running journey over the last few years again. And I thought, well, is that the farthest I could go? Could I do that? And I looked at things like some of the big international things. And obviously with my environmental sort of hat on, I didn't want to travel too far. And it's just around the corner from me. And it's just a, still a hell of a challenge. I thought, God, screw it. I'll sign up. And just one night signed up and... and here we are, a year and a half, maybe two years later, um, weeks away from the dragon's back. Yeah, it's not far oh, now, is
1: it? Not far now. Wow. Um, yeah, what a journey, though. So, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, have you got any of that morphine left for day three? <laughs> <laughs> I have best, I'm not <laughs> <alive>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Have you seen all the people suggesting Night Nurse, by the way?
2: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been looking at what people are suggesting take and what they don't take, and what you should and shouldn't take, and things like uh, things that will worsen certain conditions, and obviously you shouldn't take certain things with with dehydration being a factor. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if night nurse is uh, suddenly depleted in the region. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, there might be a sneaky bottle going in my bag. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I
1: think. So with in, the yeah,
0: um the recovery side of it is going to be tricky right knowing well first of all refueling rehydrating and then of course sleep is just it's so important and you know maybe you can deal with one or two bad night's sleep in a row but if you are getting down to sort of day five six you're going to have to get that 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 good sleep at recovery and of course that means Finishing and getting your business done with enough, with a, so you've got a big enough sleep window there, um, but also the quality of sleep once you get into bed as well. Bed, of course, being, um, you know, a uh, camp bed. Loose toe. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, I don't know about you two, but I, well, maybe, J with your background, I don't know, but I can sleep absolutely anywhere. I don't care if it's uh, a four-poster bed or a bunch of leaves in the ground. That's not going to stop me sleeping at oh, all. So you're I'm, lucky. That's one side I'm not – I can rough it. I've slept in far worse conditions. That side of things, I'm not even slightly worried about. Oh, interesting. That's, I think it's that's, that
1: thing, though, of, yeah. of getting in. I, th- I think getting in each night and, and starting – so, again – chatting to, to people that have competed on it and worked on it this getting into camp and having a little routine for when your brain's a little bit frayed sticking to it minimizing your trips getting into the river to to we were just chatting about um this be, be, before we started recording and getting into the river each night to 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 start the and you know the reducing the inflammation in the legs um and the rest of the body and then kind of just having that camp admin squared away we talked about that with james forbes quite extensively um and and then just yeah getting into bed and and and, you know while you're laying there because the body starts the recovery process straight away it's starting to to ease us back down of course it doesn't know we're going back out at or getting up at half past four in the morning to start the whole thing again bless it the first night but by about day three i'm suspecting it'll be getting the message of oh god where's the idiot taking us today why can't we go home let's just (laughs) shut up and get on with it um so i think there's going to be I, I'm with you in the terms of sleeping anywhere, but it's going to be interesting to see the quality of sleep, given that our bodies are processing so much damage each day with possible inflammation and overheating. And who knows, we might have uh, maceration from rain or we might have, you know, somber noses to deal with and all this stuff, you know, it's, 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 um, it's going to be interesting be, to see how we're be. Recover. Injuries, um, kind of I, furry, I like tendonitis, a,
0: that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's uh, there's a guy posted yesterday um, about his sleep pattern last year uh, or last race, and, and on the first night, he was finishing quite late each day. On the first night, he had one hour's sleep, and then it was two hours' sleep, and then it was three, and then I think the last two, he got six. So he was going out every day. Well, the first second day went out on an hour's sleep, which is kind of refreshing in a way that he did it because I always think about these things and I think, wow, this is, and and Shane nailed it when we interviewed him and he said his definition of an adventure was something that doesn't have a, you know, uh, an outcome that's predetermined. So this is an absolute adventure. And I think um, part of it, when, when I look at these challenges that that, that, you know, we all take up and stuff. And I think, has somebody done it before? If somebody's done it before, it's not impossible, but I, can I do it? And that that's becomes the thing. It's like, and then I've removed all the extraneous stuff to the, to, the, to the question. It's like, all right, it is possible, but can I do it? And then it falls back on me. It's not an impossible task to run from Conway to Cardiff in six days. It's just, can I do it? And now it's on me now. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting.
2: It really is. <clears throat> I think it's, again, we've said it numerous times. I know you've had before with this, but it's all the preparation. And again, it goes back to that psychological prep, if not as much, maybe even more than than the physical prep. Um, we're all going into this, hopefully, with the, the approximately the right amount of physical training. There's no one going into this who hasn't run before, clearly. Um, but I, what's been really lovely, especially the last few weeks, at least, on social media is to see... People are really gearing up in their mental preparation, so there's a real sense of "I got this," "Gonna smash this," "Gonna give it my best shot." I'm mm-hmm. like, I have gone to gone to the bits that were most problematic for me. So it was Trevan and uh, and Krib-Goch. and yeah, we did both, done both in the last week now, and that was a real big mental hurdle for me. And I've come away going, "I know I can do both those things." I might not enjoy doing them on the day. I might be absolutely uh, snails pace doing a couple of them, but I, I, I know I'm there now. So it's it's that prep. And like you say, the only thing that will stop me is me now. And I guess, Tristan, you're right. If if you get a tendonitis that's so bad, it's completely unrunnable. That's not your fault. That's not on you. You've done everything you can, or the, the blisters are so bad you can see right into your soul. Fine. that's mm-hmm. uh, that's that's, that's, that, that's one unavoidable. But anything else, you just got to keep going. Yeah, that's that's both, cool, both types
0: of soul you can see. Um, the yeah, the physical and the metaphorical. Yeah, realize yeah. well, that <laughs> <best of them>? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, one of the coping strategies I've always, well, not always, but I've certainly been deploying it for a, few, a while now. Um, is to consider the race itself, and of course, this is a particularly long race to be the final stage of a much longer race that started when the training started and the preparation started. Um, uh, to, to sort of, uh, can remind yourself, it's just the final hurdle, you know, um, even if it is only the beginning of day three, it's the final hurdle in something that's been going on for months, um, or you might even say years, you know, depending on how far you want to take that back. And I think that that is a, it's, it's a good incentive not to quit at that point, because for me, it then starts to invalidate all those weeks and months of preparation that have gone into it before. Um, I guess I'm more of a stick rather than carrot person in that respect. I'll I'll beat myself up about it if if I quit having put all that work in. And it's the threat of the the whipping that will make me continue. And then the other thing as well, of course, is that and this is always easier said than demonstrated, there are second and third and fourth wins in all this. You you can feel miserable for a time. Um, but you can get through that. It's very unusual to feel miserable for hours and hours on end. You know, there's always a sort of recovery process there with vultures um, where you come out of it and often feel better than ever uh, after after a period of misery. So um, remind yourself of that too.
2: See, I've, I've listened and completely agree with what you said, but I actually see that as the carrot rather than the stick in some ways because you're, you're diminishing how significant That six-day window is, in terms of the grand scheme, it's just the end of a really big, rigorous, very thorough training thing. So it's just a case of putting the the dot the i's cross the t's now. Yeah, Um, I know it's not trying to take away from the race at all, but it it helps you go. It's actually part of something bigger. It's diminished the 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 effects. I've done something like that, but also I've gone slightly. I don't know if it's a good or bad idea. I don't like to think this is the most difficult thing I'll ever have to do physically. So I've signed up for. Kate Ross next oh, year, nice. and already my brain's gone, this isn't the hardest thing I'm ever going to have to do because I'm going to do a longer race next year. <laughs> Even if I don't do it, I'm, I'm planning on do it. I, just need, I think we build these things up And I think, that, again, there's a tendency for people to just sort of say as well, this is the hardest thing I'm ever going to do. It's going to be the biggest hurdle. And if that's what gets you through, great. And that's, there's no right or wrong way of doing this. But I know for me, if I sit there thinking, holy crap, this is the hardest thing I'm ever going to have to physically do, when I live in the Congo, I know this isn't the toughest thing I'm ever going to have to do or the scariest thing I'm ever going to have to do, and it's not going to be the hardest physical endurance thing because I'm already signing up for something worse. So in my mind, I have to almost trick myself to downplay it slightly, which will make me perform better. I don't want that extra anxiety. I don't want that extra pressure. I don't want that extra. That's what got me through my PhD. That's what got me through living in the Congo. That's what this sense of it's just part of something bigger crack on, shut up, stop whinging, just do it. Um, you, what you need to do in your head is to create a race advert based
1: in the Central African Republic called the Gorilla's Back and think of all the challenges <laughs> that you'd have to face during that and and then yeah, right. Dragon's backs, effing easy, man.
0: <laughs> well, this, uh, we call the, sil- the Silverback, right? <laughs> that's what it'd be called. That's the type of that's that's the Gorilla, god! Right? There we I go. <laughs>
2: So we've got Pixar sorted. We've got a
1: brand new race sorted. This is uh, it's all happening. We need we need a limited liability company today,
2: guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been watching. I don't know if you guys have mentioned it very much, but I've been watching the guy who's running from South Africa to Northern Africa, the, the hardest geezer on on social media. No, I haven't seen Thanks. that. Oh I, I my god, he's absolutely yeah, incredible. So that,
0: yeah. but I knew he was doing it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right. So the i've got his name unfortunately i'm sure people will know are listening but his, his handle is uh the hardest geezer or hardest geezer and he's this sort of cheeky chappy who, who's given it a go going from from the sort of tip of south africa right up to north africa over nine months and he's at, in angola right now he's had heat exhaustion he's been peeing blood he's had malaria he's been he's had to have police escorts because he's been uh, mugged uh, at gunpoint so much the last Two weeks or three weeks, and he's just incredible. And he's not the—he's not the sort of person. I don't know. Maybe it's wrong of me to think that, but he's not the. If I'd had a line of twenty of you guys, he probably wouldn't have been the right—the the one I'd have said it's definitely him. It's, 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 but he's very open. He's going into this saying, "This is just really bloody hard. It's really difficult. I'm going to give it my best shot. Take each day as it comes. Crack on, people." And that's been really inspiring for me because, again. I, whatever I do on these six days in my mind won't be as tough as what he's doing right now. So again, I need to proportionally put what we're doing in place to go. There are harder things out there. Yeah, and that's exactly. again, that is not diminishing what anyone is putting into the race that we're doing. But for me, at least I don't like to think that what I'm doing in that exact moment is the hardest thing I'll ever have yeah, to do. Exactly. So it's, just funny. It's, it's a, a huge
0: thing rather than objectively assessing how hard this thing is. You've got to put yourself in that frame. I'm not put, a ceiling to suffering and t- to saying that that particular race that you're doing is the ceiling because it's, it is in a way setting yourself up for failure. Well, it's no wonder I didn't get round, because it's the hardest thing I'm ever going to do or the hardest thing I'm ever going to attempt. By kind of yeah. contextualizing it amongst things that are way worse, by reminding yourself that people are and have been through way okay. worse, that it almost kind of shrinks it down and makes it more achievable, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. And I did a small example of this the weekend when I was doing Trevan and I was quite cocky. I'd just done and um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to smash this one, got this one. And then I went up the north side and it was really, really windy, really wet. It felt dangerous. I was on my own. I just thought, you know what? I'm not doing this. So I went around and did the south side. I still got to the top, did it. And actually my brain in justifying, I thought, you dick, why have you not done this? You're going to have to do it in a few weeks. And then I just thought like mallory climbed this in preparation for everest i'm okay not doing this right now on my own without any climbing gear when it's absolutely chucking it down so you're right it's it's complete mindset and it's completely it's yeah it's it's contextualizing these things and and giving yourself a break some of this this as well we're not going to be amazing every step of the way on this dragon's back and i think that's okay as well you look at someone like kipchoge who runs, it's like 190 steps a minute, or 186 steps a minute or something insane like that. He can do that for two hours. He can't do that for two days or three days or four days, but you're not trying to run perfectly for that whole period of time. We, And I think we're all, at least from what I've seen, accepting that there are gonna be some really high periods of, I'm doing really well, actually, Then actually other times where, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I don't even know how to run anymore. What's my name? What are these feet for? I have no, no idea. And I think that's when this sort of camaraderie is going to come in. Because I'm going to, I can guarantee if I even see you two, you're going to see me smiling and probably in tears at some point, and I'm going to need you there for both. And I think that's going to be, <laughs> be really important for all of us to have that, I think. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not, again, not being too hard on yourself maybe. Yeah.
0: Well, the, cool. the well,
2: thing
1: we have to remember going in is that we're doing it for fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, right. Well, look, um, yeah. we should probably wrap it up there. Um, I'm excited. I will tell you what, would be fun. It would be good to have you back on again afterwards, ben, just for a debrief. To um, so uh, I know, I know you said we were doing this before, so that we could have uh you know an optimistic conversation about things. But I think it'd be lovely to to revisit this, especially since you're doing Cape Wrath next year as well. Because it'd be interesting to hear what you learned from Dragon's Back and what you might change from Cape Wrath, because they are kind of similar events.
2: Happy days, yeah. More, more than happily. More than happily come back on, and however far all, all of us get, we, we, can, we can reminisce when the, when the blisters are healed and the, the, the battle wounds are all gone, but yeah, yeah. let's do that.
1: We're all going to finish. We're all going to sit here on screen, seeing each other and, and hold up a dragon trophy <laughs> yeah. in your hand. That's where we're going with this.
2: Alright, we're all going to finish it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Trail and Error podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and most important of all, share it with your friends and your family. Also, if you have any guest suggestions or suggestions for features that you would like to see on the Trail and Error podcast, please get in touch with us via our social media channels at trail underscore and underscore error underscore uk it makes more sense when it's written down i promise you oh and we're on facebook too see you next time thanks for listening